She's the host of the Marilyn Dennis Show on CTV, co-host of the Morning Show on Chum 104.5, and now she's a podcaster. This is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be chatting with international fashion icon and stylist to the stars, Joe Z. And he happens to be one of my regular guests on the Marilyn Dennis Show and a good friend of mine. He lives in California with his husband, designer Rob Yonkers, and they're to rescue Chihuahuas, Cornelius and Dixie, and, and a big and, they're about to become first-time parents. So we're going to find out how they're doing and coping, and also how the fashion industry and some of your favorite retailers are going to be impacted by what's going on right now. Okay, so let's talk to Josie. Josie! Hello! Hello, oh hello. My God. I, I, I love this. I have to tell you, I have spent my, well, I spent a lot of time on Zoom and I love that yeah. we're doing this on Zoom because Zoom is clearly the new texting. <laughs> it's the new texting. It's good to see your face. I know I don't even, it's so early in the morning for you in California, but listen, I don't want to bury the lead here. You are about, you and Robert are about to become parents. Oh my God. Yes. In just under four weeks. Um, we have been on this incredible, um, journey for the two for the past two and a half years and right you know I, I think I've shared a little bit with you, you sort of yeah. um, on the side Marilyn but just you know for us it's like it's something we have always wanted to do we've wanted to be parents and you know starting a family today is not an easy thing it's a challenging thing for a lot of people you know we have a lot of friends of various you know incomes and races and sexualities and whatever that, that just starting a family is not as traditional as it used to be and for mm -hmm. us we really investigated and and sort of went through every possible route to sort of figure out what would be the best for us. So there is no best way to become parents. It's just what's best for you. And, you right. know, for us, you know, we've landed on surrogacy and we are going to be parents of a beautiful baby girl um, in less than four weeks. In less oh than four gosh. weeks, in the middle of a global pandemic, we are going to have a little bundle of joy. Well, I'm very happy for both of you. And she is so lucky to have you and Rob as parents. I can only bet that the room is the room all set up ready to go oh my gosh well that's part of it because every day i mean you know you watch the news every day things are changing so our our travel plans because our surrogate is not in california with us she's in minnesota she's uh -huh. six states away it is almost two thousand miles so Ooh. we actually changed our plans as of this past weekend to get there 10 days earlier so that we can self-isolate and self-quarantine and be on the ground for at least 14 days prior oh, so that yeah. we can we are safe, they are safe, and everybody is safe. You know, it's another precaution we just wanted to put in place. So yeah. we have in the midst, I mean, of course, you know, being fashion people, yeah. we have nine months to get ready. We had nine months to get ready. <laughs> uh, we waited until the last second. So we are actually rush building the nursery. But Rob has done everything by hand. He is amazing. He built the entire closet. The rest of the furniture is arriving uh, in two days, the day after tomorrow. And um, he will put the rest together. I mean, my husband is pretty amazing he is pretty amazing as you are listen we got to talk about i'm so happy for you both you're both wonderful people and it's just great to know that this little girl is going to have the best best people in her life um i want to talk to you about your time in canada you moved to canada when you were a year old correct yeah correct so uh i pretty much i'm a, i'm a canadian through and through always so yes. from hong kong you come to canada you end mm -hmm. up in toronto and then we're going to fast forward to uh where you and i met 
And that was in Toronto because when I was doing the show City Line in the same studio that I do the Marilyn Dennis show, the way that you and I met was you were just down the street from me. Correct. Yeah. No, I think um, when I was in high school and I grew up in North York yeah. um, and I went to York Mills Collegiate and halfway through high school, I moved downtown. But and during high school, there was a store that opened on Queen West <laughs> that I was completely obsessed with, you know, because I was already obsessed with fashion. Yeah. Um, from a very early age. And this store, I remember walking by that open and it was pulsating with music and energy and the coolest people ever worked there. And it was Club Monaco. And I think it, I don't even know if actually, to be honest, if it's still there, the original one on Queen Not West. that, not that, not in that location. There's one, I think on Bloor Street in Toronto. But interesting because you said in high school. <laughs> that just makes <laughs> you feel just a little bit older. But I know that you used to walk by the windows because that, that all used to be open. The windows all used to be open. Uh, yes. So that you could see, and that's how you and I kind of, in a non-very, uh, like we, we, we just kind of would wave at each other and that would be it. Then that, I didn't see you uh, much after that. We didn't officially meet, actually, until you would visit back from New York. So tell me this. How did Joe, who loved fashion so much and started working at retailers, go from Toronto to New York? And, and the resume that you have, Josie, is beyond. Let me, let me read a couple of things just in case you forgot, all right? Just in case, uh, L.W. Vanity Fair, uh, you were artistic or be- uh, fashion directors for those magazines, am I right? I was fashion director at W, and at L, I was creative director. Yeah, everything everything was sort of, you know, constantly fluid, yes. <laughs> but how, did, they, did, they, did you search them out, or did you go to New York and say, I'm going to get a job there? How did that transition happen? Um, I mean, you know... I, I feel like such a dinosaur in this, so I feel like I've been doing it for a long time. But no, I mean, nothing really sort of happened overnight. I really did go down there hustle. I mean, I was living in Toronto. I was going to University of Toronto, and then I secretly stopped going to go work at Holt Renfrew because so, I just really love fashion. And I had gotten a job in the buyer's department as wow. an assistant, and I thought, well, I made it. And little did I know that being a buyer means sitting in front of a computer, and back then it was a green screen, typing in, open to buy numbers. And I was like, I'm not sure this is for me. Mm. Um, But ultimately I was like, you know, I always, what I wanted to do and my biggest dream was to work at fashion magazines. You know, I grew up and I was literally sort of sucked up into that world and I would sit in my room and I read them cover to cover and treat them almost like, like those are my fantasy uh, books to read. And, and it it meant so much to me. That's such emotional value. And when I really looked at it, I was like, Oh, you know what, where I need to do that was New York City, which was really the capital of all mm-hmm. of that. And mm-hmm. so when I was working at Holt Renfrew that, that year when I was uh, and balancing school, I saved up every single penny I had. And then I went down to New York. I investigated what I could do. And I realized that in order to work, I need to have a degree of some sort. So I also went to FIT and I enrolled in classes and I jammed all my classes into two days. So I had school from nine to nine on Mondays wow. and Wednesdays without a break so that I could use the other days. Wow. Can you, is that crazy, right? But so that That's I could crazy. Use the week yeah. to work for free as an intern so that I could get experience. And that's really sort of where it started. And I remember me, you know, me being number one, A, an immigrant, B, not even a citizen of America, and C, not having any experience. I had to work not even double as hard, but I had to work four times as hard to sort sure. of really get noticed. And I, so I really hustled. And that first year, and I graduated school again in a recession, which we are clearly also heading into now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some of my best moments coming into a recession, so I'm hoping this will be a great year. But, um, but that, um, you know, I started an assistant. My first job was at a 
Lore magazine when it had first launched in 1992. Oh, wow. <laughs> Allure magazine. Yeah. How you? And, and how, then how long did you work for them? I was there probably about three years working for the legend Polly Mellon. And then W Magazine had called me. And that's where I went there. And I was there for almost 10 years as a fashion director. And that was really eye-opening. Being a W was what, to be honest, changed my career. And that's How so? Really, How so? How so? Um, it was a magazine that when I got there, it was really new. It was just starting. It was 1995. And um, within a year and a half, it really moved the needle. And I saw it move the needle in so many ways. It suddenly went from being a new magazine to the magazine that everybody in the industry looks at. Mm -hmm. And I think publishing, especially publishing back then, was really about publishing for the industry. We used to say this all the time that like we edit but for each other less than the reader. And I think in a weird twisted way it worked in that environment in at W in the 90s. And it was really my training ground. I worked with the world's best photographers. I worked with the world's best supermodels, everybody that was really anybody. And these were like the supers that I grew up with looking at covers of magazines from wow. Cindy Crawford to Christy Turrington and Amy Campbell that I, Kate Moss that I would like love. And now I am working with them every day. And it was something that felt very surreal, but exciting at the same time. I will tell you, your personality would make anybody feel welcomed into any shoot, you know, because you're different. You're talking about different families of people getting together for a shoot. You know, you spend a whole day together or a, couple, or a week together doing a shoot. You also have to go to the parties. You also have to, you know, you, communicate, socialize with everybody. Uh, it makes me wonder, um, people have to have faith in you. So what is it about you that you think that made you so successful besides the fact that you had, and I think it's key, passion in what you do? Because you oh, got to have passion. Yeah, no, thank you, Marilyn. I do have passion, and I think I still do. And I think the day I lose it, then I have to do something else. Yeah. Um, I, I think what people did, and this also came sort of when I transitioned from models being on covers to celebrities being on covers, was that, you know, you, you, I really respect everybody on a crew to be who they are. I'm not the photographer. Therefore, if I hired you as a photographer, you are doing what you're good at. Same with makeup, same with hair, same with assistants, same with the model, the celebrity. And I think it's about a collaboration. And I think it seems easier said than done. And I'm sitting here telling you about it. It's like, yeah, we're going to collaborate. And people are like, yeah, that makes no sense. But the idea is like, if you really, if it's a true collaboration, it really means that everybody has some say into something. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's really what I really respected. When I shot a celebrity for cover, I always respected who they were and what they did and what they stood for and how to really bring out the best in them if we ever did do a cover or a red carpet or whatever it is that we were styling. Well, let's talk about some of those people. Let's talk. I mean, you can make a comment. I am digging for dirt, but if you don't <laughs> dig with me, that's okay. You know, that's why you've lasted so long. But some of the people you've talked, I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss on a couple of these, but Madonna. Madonna. Um, I don't. I don't know who remembers, but way back when, and I think this was either nineteen ninety nine or two thousand that okay. I did a Gap commercial with Madonna and Missy Elliott um, yeah. and all her dancers. Um, and we. It was when her album came out, and we did a remake of her song Hollywood. And that was a surreal experience. To this day, I will always remember this. I mean, I did not work with Madonna a lot. I did that one thing, and I did something with her afterwards. But it was just the idea. Of like, I had to go to a meeting at her house and I sat in a, at her living room waiting for her and all the people kept coming in and out and coming in and out. And when Madonna finally came in, she came in from gardening. I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me that Madonna had come in the room because she's so much bigger than life to me. 
all the time. And mm-hmm. here I am sitting in her living room and people are coming on, people are coming on. And all of a sudden this incredibly gracious woman just came and sat down with her gardening shears. And I was like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. She's like, Joe, I'm Madonna. <laughs> and I was like, I felt so silly. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm just sitting here. I was just <laughs> in your home, not paying attention. <laughs> That's, that is awesome. So, you know, she really does control a lot of things that it's nice to know that she really has a great relationship with some people and that she was, uh, she gardens and she was holding her own shears. I love that. Love hearing about that. What about, um, what about um, a Julianne Moore, who to me is, boy, she's fashion forward and gets away with it and, and does so well with it. She's beautiful. Oh my beautiful. gosh. She's beautiful. She's incredibly lovely. Um, we, I actually met her a long, long time earlier. So when I was an assistant at Allure, and there was a day where we were doing a photo shoot on a brand new actress and her name was Julianne Moore. And the editor had asked me if I would like to go style it. It was one picture. It was easy. And I was like, oh, my God, here's my big break. Um, and I remember, and I put her in, like, leather pants and a sweater. I don't even remember why I remember that. But that was way back in early 90s. And then I had not seen her again until a lot later when I had gotten to W. And by then, she was blown up into this huge star. And we were working together for covers. She's incredible. She is by far the absolute most generous and most gracious human being I have ever met in so many different circles. I think there is something. She genuinely cares about you. She genuinely cares about the work that she does. She genuinely cares so much about her family. We, we think about this all the time, mm-hmm. and she's friends also with Rob, that, that we sort of really model ourselves over when we begin to have our family, that her and Bart have the most incredible kids, and that they're such role models for us in terms of what parenting can be. That's so great. It's always nice for us to hear when you work with somebody famous as you are and as Julianne is that you've become friends and that you spend time together. It's kind of a nice insight to know about that. Scarlett Johansson, who to me has the most flawless skin. Tell me more. Oh my gosh, how beautiful, Scarlett. Um, Gorge. Well, gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. And I don't even know if anyone remembers, but I remember the first movie she was ever in and I watched that not even knowing. It was called The Horse Whisperer. Robert Redford directed it. Kristen Scott Thomas was the mom in it. She was... Oh, yeah! Scarlett Johansson was, I think, maybe 9, 10, or 11. And I remember watching... Oh, little girl. I remember watching the movie. The movie was great, but I remember thinking, that little girl is going to be a star. And then, of course, flash forward, you know, eight years later, the girl was a star. Um, We... I did not work with her many times, but I styled her. We shot her for the cover of L and I remember having to go all the way to Barcelona to shoot that cover. And now I can't remember why. What was she doing in Barcelona? Was she doing a Woody Allen? Movie? I was can't she, no, she, no, she did that Christina Barcelona movie. Was, she, was that why? Is that maybe why? Yeah, with uh, Javier Bardem and uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Yeah, yeah so maybe that was it. Yeah. I remember going all the way to Spain to shoot her cover. She's lovely. She's also incredibly, incredibly professional. Um, uh-huh. You know, she's she, smart. Oh, so smart. I mean, for, you know, for somebody, I don't even know, like sometimes I have so much respect for all of these celebrities because I don't even know if I, when I was their age, I could have like gotten it together to be that incredibly disciplined, that incredibly diligent, that incredibly uh, trained to be polite and and well-read and knew everything that was going on and get myself to all these things. And I'm not just talking about the movie that she's making, but she had that much interest even coming to our photo shoot and all of these things and knowing that, that that's a lot of part of what she does, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what was she like 22? I mean, just, I very think, like, young. Yeah. yeah. And I think like 
could I have done that? I don't even know. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think when people push back, it doesn't matter if they're a star or not. It's because of insecurity. Uh, it's not because they're trying to be difficult with you because they're worried about their own thing. And when young people, and I sound like an old person, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm 62 this year, but I'm just saying, I really appreciate oh, Marilyn, man. You are the youngest person I know. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, oh, thank you. I Joe. love you. You're so beautiful. Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks. But the, the thing is that when they have good manners, boy, they outshine anyone, uh, anyone's beauty uh, when, they're, when they engage with people. I had the chance to talk to Lady Gaga. Uh, I know you've worked with her. What were your impressions of uh, Stephanie? As, I loved her. I mean, it was very early in her career, but she was mm -hmm. also very, very smart about what her image was, what she was doing, what she, uh, where she was going. Um, and I remember I was watching the Grammys or the American Music Awards. I can't remember. And it was mm -hmm. late. And I remember texting everyone at the magazine at Elle. And this was so early in her career. And I was like, we have to put her on the cover. And they were like, she's so different. For she's really, you know, not your traditional, you know, celebrity. Like, are people? I was like, but I think that's what people will like. People will like that she is so different. And we all decided collectively at like midnight or something one night to be like, okay, great, let's put her on the cover. Um, and we did it, and it was one of our best-selling covers ever. And I think because people just love sort of this sort of reset button on a celebrity in a way where yeah. I think she just sort of pushed boundaries on everything. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And she's. I always used to forget how young she is she's like what madonna did oh completely like when madonna did constantly and even the madonna got a little mad at at gaga for copying me it's not copying it's 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 looking at you as an inspiration of don't stay in the same lane all the time when it comes to fashion have fun with it i mean with this cover that you did with her was that before or after the meat dress it was way before that it was really yeah yeah it was so see what i mean that. so she's like thinking all the time and i think she just turned like 30. So when you worked with her, she was really young. Oh, she was so young. I think literally I worked with her when she was 22, 23. And I forget, I, I was just going to say, I forget that she's so young because she really was so incredibly mature and, and passionate and grown up. And you know that. And, yeah. and I think what you said was absolutely correct. She is like Madonna in a way. And she wasn't like Madonna in a way where like, oh, I'm going to do blonde hair. I'm going to do this. That's not what I mean. I right. She was like Madonna right. in a way where like she knew how to be provocative and enough to push people's buttons because that was for the art. And it made you think that we're talking about this now, 10 years later, because uh -huh. she did her job in making it worth talking about. Who do you think the best dressed guy is right now in Hollywood? When you see him on the red carpet? Oh or when he my gosh. In an interview? Well, I mean, that's a big question, I know, but. Well, this past awards season, I had a special place in my heart for Brad Pitt. I mean, I think just, Coming out of his divorce and 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 winning the Oscar in the movie, I mean, he just he was funny, he was charming, he was carefree, he was so dapper, he looked great. I mean, Brad Pitt is your sort of standard. Your, he's your gold standard. Um, but you know, I love that whole new wave of young guys right now that are also pushing the boundaries on red carpets. I love Timothy Chalamet, Michael B. Jordan. So like these yeah. guys, they're not your traditional um, Hollywooders. They're not going to just be like, oh, I got to get my tuxedo I borrow for the day. I'm going to bring it back. They're like really pushing the boundaries of what is possible. And no one's looking twice, which I kind of like. You know, I think this is really sort of kudos I give to the guys on the red carpet in the past few years that they've really sort of cared. You know, I, 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 was, mm -hmm. on, I was on the Oscars red carpet this year and we were talking about it. And I was saying, 
you know, it wasn't that long ago, I think maybe five years or six years ago that George Clooney said, well, I don't know, I, I just grabbed the tux out of the back of my closet and I put this on 10 minutes before. And that was perfectly acceptable for men. And everyone was like, yay, George, whoa, yay, great, good He's for you. He's one of us. Yeah. He's one of us. Yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa, yeah. you're real. You're just like us, yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. now these guys are like, mm, no, I have designers send me sketches. We look at fabrics. They're going to design me something. We're going to make me something. They're literally putting a lot of thought into it. And I know there's been so much debate in terms of like designers and what are you wearing and all of those things happening on the red carpet. But at the end of the day, it is also a business. It isn't just like yeah. a yeah. frivolous question. Like for these designers, having one of these celebrities wear what they wear can be huge for their business. And I think at the end of the day, it really, everybody's helping everybody in that respect. I tell the story, Joe, of uh, when Jane Fonda came to visit the Maryland Dennis show this year. Well, later on, we had a big um, audience uh, gathered together at Hotel X and uh, Wayne Clark, designer Wayne Clark was in the audience. And um, he had uh, shared a story with me many years ago. And so I brought up to, to, to Jane and I said, do you remember when you were doing a movie in Toronto and you walked down Bloor Street and you looked in the window of Holt Renfrew? And she said, yeah. And I said, you saw a dress there. She said, yes. And I wanted the dress off the mannequin. They wouldn't give me an, off the mannequin. So finally she said, I, like, take it off the mannequin. So she put it on, of course, anything that Jane Fonda puts on, it fits beautifully. Um, and so, you know, Helt Renfrew apparently called Wayne Clark to tell him that. And they were, wow, she bought my, one of my beautiful, because Wayne's known for his beautiful gowns, as you know. And then up come the Oscars of that year. And who comes on the stage? in a Wayne Clark dress, but Jane Fonda, not knowing that she was going to wear uh, his, his uh, design and his sales went through the roof. That's the kind of exposure that one would think is so special. I love that story. I love that story. Oh my gosh. I love that story. Cause I could already feel it as a designer. You don't even know that, she, that that's going to happen. That's going to happen. That's and nobody sent her anything. She said, "I just took it out of my closet." Oh my yeah. gosh, that is what yeah. that's so beautiful. And those days are so long gone. But um, but yes, I but know, you understand it changes a designer's business, and like you know, in the end, that's yeah. what we're all doing. So it is much yeah. more than the two dimensional. Oh, what are you wearing? Right. Let's talk about um the reset now um of what's happening with the pandemic. Um, and we're all trying to be uh, good social distancers. That's why this podcast began. It's a reset. Uh, sometimes good and uh, interesting uh, things come out of a reset. But I am concerned about retail. Um, and I uh, want to talk to you about that. We did talk about that recently on a show with Amber MacArthur. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts now? And that was pre-pandemic. Retail, uh, bricks and mortar stores, um, have, you know, some of them on their last legs. And uh, now it looks like some of them are going to shut down. What's shopping and retail going to be looking like for us in the future? Uh, um, well, I mean, I, I think certainly in the immediate future, it's very bleak, but I think it's very bleak to be quite honest for a lot of industries. I think definitely retail, definitely fashion, but food and beverage has been hit incredibly hard, Oh yeah, you know, and I think, um, and, and I think the hardest hit will be small businesses. You know, I think in the end, yeah, big change might emerge well okay out of this. But, you know, also not. Yesterday, I think, or two days ago, Macy's just um, announced they were laying off 130,000 people. 130,000. That is a small American or Canadian town of people who True. furloughed. And that is 
a really big deal. But um, I, I, I have a lot of faith in us as a society. I do think we will rebound. We will take a minute. We will be hit. People will be cautious coming out of this pandemic. Um, so the coast isn't completely clear, but I think people are sort of resilient. I've seen us live through, and I've been there, and I've lived through 9-11. I've lived through multiple recessions already in my career. So I can see all of that um, really taking shape. I think what's happening is that we're all stuck at home, and now people are mm -hmm. offline shopping more than ever before. And I was reading a story um, on Huffington Post where someone had interviewed um, UPS drivers and FedEx drivers and they were literally saying that they had more deliveries now than they had at Christmas. It was almost surging past Christmas wow. deliveries. And it wasn't just essentials. A lot of people were getting essentials delivered, but a lot of people were also getting furniture delivered. And, you know, and I think people are starting yeah. to feel like, and this happens a lot during recession, you know, Marilyn, where people start to uh, reprioritize what's important in their life. And nesting, clearly we're at home now. Nesting, yes. family, um, mm -hmm. nesting family, and, and all of those things that we sort of, sort of maybe put on the back burner because we're all running around trying to make our careers a better life has now sort of moved up to the front. And I think you see that. And I think that's why people are buying more furniture. People are cooking more at home. I mean, we're stuck inside, but the idea that like, yeah. I think those ideals may not lift once the restrictions lift. I'll tell you what, uh, a couple of things I thought, I got to remember this for Joe when I talked to him next time. Um, Walmart has uh, said that they sell more tops than pants these days. Like a, a lot more tops. Because, You're kidding. Let's say, you can only see me from the waist up. <laughs> So, that's, so pants are kind of out. And they also said, because just like you, you're sitting in front of your beautiful library. It looks so beautiful. And I'm sitting in my, in my basement, but uh, they're saying um, that pajamas, elegant pajamas, like the Carol Lombard 1940s, they're making a comeback. People are ordering more of those because not only are you seeing the, the backdrop, which is your home, but what you're wearing, right? Oh, so my it, goodness. It's about I, the elegant PJs. It's yeah. all about the elegant PJs. We were talking about this yesterday. Look, I'm wearing sweatpants right now. Um, it's all about <laughs> I'm business. I'm wearing my Steelers shoes. Yes. <laughs> this is what we say. Like, listen, our lives have turned into business on top and sure. PJs on the bottom. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I mean, I mean we're yeah. seriously laughing about this, but we're having so many yeah. working remotely from home. I, I, yes. think, I think companies are going to sort of also reevaluate that. Like, do we all have to go and congregate in an office every single day? Do we all have to be so incredibly quick paced? Do we have to, can we not hire people who are incredibly talented, but don't live near us in proximity? Like, are yeah, these some true. of these things that companies will start to think of what they can do in a much more productive and efficient way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I so agree with you on all those things. And like you said, you know, with some of the downtimes that we've had, the recessions that we've had, and I have to agree with you, when we look back on those events, we see how we took those events and kind of recalibrated what our lives were like and moved into a different direction or more of the, the same direction, but we, we went a little further with that career. So, you know, take it as a reset. Now, the reset for you, I always ask people at the end of the podcast, what's the reset for you? Let me tell you what the reset is. This daughter of yours is only four weeks away. That is going to change your life for the better, even though your life is very good with Rob. I am so excited for you. How can we follow what's happening to you and Rob? Where should we follow you? 
to see about this uh, beautiful little girl that's coming into the well, world? Well, we are actually getting ready to leave on our journey at the beginning of next week. So we'll be gone for like a bit to, tr- to be there for the birth of her and bring her home during this incredible global lockdown. Um, on my social, certainly on my Instagram, on my Twitter, at Mr. Josie. But I, I think, you know, like we got a new camera, we got a microphone, we're going to try to document the whole thing because we wanted to make a little mini movie ourselves to show our daughter one day and say, look, you know, you, you never, ever happened by accident. We jumped through hoops of fire to get you and we did it in the worst possible global time, but we've got you home safe and sound and this is who you are. And we want to document that entire thing. So we're figuring out where we should put that documentation, whether we were going to write a story about it. We're like, should we do newsletters? Should we post it on YouTube? We don't know yet, but, um, but we want to be able to also share our story with a lot of other families out there. You know, even when I posted yesterday, I've already gotten a million DMs and, and comments and oh, side messages God. from people saying, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? We were trying to do this. This happened for us. This happened. Oh, I, this is so inspiring. I like to do this. And I feel like there are so many intended parents, parents already that are just hungry to have a conversation together. And I know there's a lot of parenting stuff out there already, but I just love the idea that there is also this alternative parenting thing out there that isn't always so talked about. And Rob and I are very open in the way that we do things. So when, when, when the baby comes and you get settled into a bit of a routine, like I'm a grandmother of a nine month old. So the routine takes a little bit of time, but when you settle into the routine, we're going to revisit with you and Rob. So we can talk to you both on, on the podcast and about your journey and about some of the things that you've learned along the way, obviously going to be helpful to so many people. And I encourage you to blog it, let people know because everybody's journey is different. And when we hear that people go through things, we're like, oh yeah, that happened to me or, oh, I didn't know about that. And sharing is the best part. That's the best part. Helps so many people. I agree with you. I absolutely intend on doing that. And yes, a cash up. We can tell you, Marilyn, oh my gosh, I'm going to be emailing you and being like, how do we do this, Marilyn? I need your help. I need your advice. (laughs) (laughs) And you have my phone number too. Uh, And I will tell you this right now. It's joyful and get in. This is the advice my mother gave me. Mm -hmm. The laundry will get done. Sleep when the baby sleeps. And I leave it at that. Joe, I hope you have a wonderful journey to go get this baby girl. I want you to stay safe during this crazy pandemic time. Our best to uh, your wonderful husband, Rob. Know that we love you so much. And you are the best guy to talk to as I launch my podcast. Thank you, Josie, so much. The most fashionable guy I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. And I'll leave it on this one last thing. This is how incredible my husband is. He woke up early yesterday and spent all of yesterday sewing masks for the local medical personnel so that he could spend the nighttime washing the baby clothes and finishing the nursery. That okay, this is, why I- <laughs> is the type of father he will be. I love you. You're both going to be great dads. All the best, honey. Have a great and safe trip. And we say congratulations to you. We look forward to watching your journey uh, on, your, on your site. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you soon, Marilyn. Bye, sweetheart. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.